Hello and welcome to episode 1260 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, February 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Sean Bouchard. Oh, wait, uh, Justin Mason. Justin, how's it going? You're wearing your Bouchard jersey in honor of uh, some news that he's angling toward the starter, starters role right now. Yeah, baby. Uh, you know what the funny part is? Is like we've talked about this already multiple times today. And when mm -hmm. you started introducing me to Sean, I was like, how did he get my name that wrong? Like, I didn't even like my mind is so like locked into TGFBI and Potapalooza <laughs> and projections and articles. And um, it's that time yeah. of year, man, where oh like, my God, I need just locked. I need middle of March to get here so bad. Like just like, so I can just focus on drafting and podcasting and like, Oh my God. Yeah. The Man. next, the next three weeks are the, the insane time. It's a great time of year. Awesome to be a baseball dude or dudette getting into this stuff, but it is definitely the, the intense time of year. And you know, what's funny by the way, with the Bouchard thing, um, he was only on our, you know, kind of any other names, of yeah. our outfield preview there that we went so deep on i feel like we kind of gave him a little short trip like we, we did talk about him we you know brought up how uh you know much of a fan you are of his for how he helped you last year and i think you even co-signed going for him but now here we are with a real chance of him getting the right field job is he somebody that should be going like way up in um in fantasy rankings so like should he be a standard 30 round pick now a piece of the the rockies outfield Possibly, at least. Again, things could change in spring, but he is angling. You know, he's got the bead on the job there, Sean Bouchard. Yeah, I mean, if he's the full-time guy there, like, there is real power in the bat. The question is, like, will they continue to run him out there every day if he's striking out at a 30% clip? Um, but, like, it's not like they've got a ton of options necessarily. And while the strikeout rate was a 30% clip, uh, last year, I mean, it was only 43 plate appearances. The swing strike rate was below 15%. So you think that that should come down um, and be more like a 28% strikeout rate kind of guy. Mm -hmm. uh, 600 plate appearances, man. Like there is a you know possibility where like he could really be like a 25 plus homer bat. Like uh, exactly. So, so that and, that could be really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, don't forget like. Coors BABIP, right? Like you yep. get that extra BABIP help. Um, we saw what so, it did for Nolan Jones, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bouchard's a, a 600 pick type of guy right now. I think if you're in a DC, you definitely need to be on that uh, because I don't think the price is going to rise too much in the DC market. I think it could start to rise, you know, as we get into spring and it looks clear that he's going to get the job. But even then, I mean, what are we thinking? Like, the high end would be 450 i feel like for sean bouchard yeah, he really will be like end of your draft in a 15 team or like that's what i'm thinking um, yeah i i think that's a a pretty good uh pretty good gamble right there i mean at worst you drop him if he's not getting full-time playing time but right now it seems like he's gonna get at least the opportunity to win that job and mm -hmm. that, you know big spring could bust him up a little bit more yeah, so st stay tuned on him. And again, put him on your DC rosters for sure, because even if he is a part-timer, that's fine to get somebody that late in the 600s or 500, 600s, um, you know, in a 50-round draft and hold. Let's talk about some infielders moving before we start our SP preview here. Hey, the show was on this one. You had identified 
that Miami needed to uh, make a signing for one of two guys. Now, both have signed into Florida. At first, we saw Ahmed Rosario. We'll actually get to him second. But we saw him sign with Tampa, and it was like, dang, right state, wrong team. But then the other one that you thought they, they could really go out and get, they do indeed do it. The Marlins signed Tim Anderson to a one-year deal. It's a great gamble for them at five mil. See if what he's got left in the tank. I just don't think he's as bad as he was last year. 2% homer to fly ball rate. Come on. Uh, you know, just a washout year. Got his clock cleaned by, by J-Ram as well. Nothing went right, but he's 31 years old. I think it's a great gamble for them. I've been taking the gamble on him in fantasy. Um, he's definitely going to jump up the board. But again, I don't think this is going to be a jump that's going to become cost prohibitive either for, for Tim Anderson. What were your first thoughts when, when you saw that you were right on this one? Good call. Thank God, because I have him in three leagues already. And uh, I got him at a discount. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, this DC I'm currently in, I actually have Tim Anderson and Ahmed Rosario because I was on the clock when Rosario signed. Uh, and I was like, well, screw it. I guess I'll just take them. Uh, so, fun. yeah, nice little gambles that are going to pay off. Uh, well, um, I mean, it's kind of a perfect fit for Tim Anderson. It's kind of perfect fit for the Marlins. He gets full-time playing time. Uh, you know, obviously the park isn't great. So you can't really expect, like, the days of 17, 20 home runs. But, like, you got one last year. <laughs> so, yeah, it should be better than one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I would expect that we're looking, you know, seven, eight home runs and, uh, you know, a handful of stolen bases, maybe back, you know, he had 13 the last two years, uh, but maybe he gets a, a couple more, maybe like 15 uh, and, you know, 270 batting average in the, you know, I, I think you're selling lineup. SBs short because, oh, you know, take full advantage of the rules. And if he's fully healthy again for Tim Anderson, getting back, to you know the well i shouldn't say back to i guess he does kind of play like a low 500s output um mm -hmm. so I, I will still think that he can get higher if things are working for him and he has better than a 286 obp i think he can push 20 but yeah if you just plan for something like you said seven to ten homers and you know in the 15 to 20 range of sbs the batting average is the key right and that park while it isn't great for power, it is good for batting average with the spacious outfield. And if Tim Anderson can just dot the ball all over the place with a bunch of base hits, I think it can absolutely work. So I like this. Uh, I'll pencil him in for a 275, knowing that there's a 300 in the back pocket. And now with the signing here, uh, ADP of 356 over the last month, uh, and this is being recorded on, or excuse me, in just this month only here, um, uh, in the month of February 26 drafts. This is being recorded on February 22nd. Where do you see this going? Is this going to inside the top 300, into the low 300s? I'd be surprised if it soars, but it is a big name in Tim Anderson. Where do you think his ADP goes from here, and will you still be in? I don't think the ADP is going to soar. Like I think maybe inside the top 300, but maybe but he was he was so bad last year. Like, yeah, and um, and the signing is so late that like part of the reasons why people like, kind of soar up the ADP is because we have no other news other than signings. Now we're getting other news, so yeah. I do expect him to rise, but I don't expect him to rise that far. Um, and to be quite honest, it's just it's too good of a deal to pass up to be honest. Like it's agreed. I mean, this is a guy who is like in the past few years has been like a top 50 pick when he's healthy mm -hmm. in fantasy, like every year. And now like, even if he moves up, let's say like 250, like, okay. Like I, I still that, think that'd be, probably that'd worth be that like, gamble. 
the crazy high end. Because you look, there's actually kind of a pocket here that Tim Anderson could fit in. With Zach Neto going 268, and then not until Jordan Lawler at 305, that's the next shortstop. So he could fit right in the middle there, Tim Anderson could, at like 285. That's probably where he should fit, yeah. Yeah, that would make more sense to me. If you go up to 250, then you're talking in between Carlos Correa and J.P. Crawford. Maybe that's where his min will be. I could see him spiking up there on occasion. Uh, right now, his min is 312 for the month. So yeah, bottom line is, even with the jump up, I think everything that we're going to see out of Tim Anderson is going to be pretty affordable. Justin and I are in, you know, finding late batting average is tough. It's going to be a little empty because I don't think there's going to be a big power return, like you said. Uh, but, you know, if he, if he can eke his way to double digits... And and hey, what if he finds 140 games? Now, that is very much the high upside. Everything goes super well for you. Do not plan for that because uh, it's been 123, 79, 123, 49 in the shortened season. And then 123 again in 2019. He really likes 123 games. So maybe that, that should be the projection for Tim Anderson. But good signing by the uh, Marlins. And I'm going to keep drafting him. Also the helps other guy? their defense quite a bit. Up yes. The middle because solid, solid defender. Up Wendell being their everyday shortstop would have been a disaster. That's the thing. Even if you don't think that Tim Anderson's like a huge glove, which he's not, a, not like top of the scale, uh, way better than Joey Wendell. So it's going to help the yeah. pitchers as well. Staying in Florida, the other guy I mentioned, Ahmed Rosario, going to Tampa Bay. This is interesting uh, because we had kind of briefly talked about him the other day, and it, you and Jason were like, well, Tampa Bay probably won't get him because his glove is so bad. And they they said, you know what? We'll take the shot, uh, maybe try to hide his glove around the diamond. I doubt he plays any real shortstop, even though they kind of have an opening there with Caballero being the guy penciled in, Taylor Walls working his way back. I still would be surprised if Rosario got many looks there because of his defense, but they'll probably dot him around the, the infield and outfield. Do you like this fit for Ahmed Rosario? It's kind of a perf perfect like platoon partner with Brandon Lau. If it really is at second base. Yeah, I mean, Lau's not been great against lefties in his career. He's injury prone. Uh, I think that's a kind of a really good spot for him. Caballero, like, it definitely could affect Caballero's playing time a little bit, but I just think he's so good defensively that his role is pretty solidified until um, Taylor Walls comes back. So Then he'll have to see, yeah. If he's yeah. performing Caballero when Walls gets back, I think he can still fight yep. him off. But if not, then that's when he would start to lose that PT there. So with Rosario, his price is cheap. You mentioned that you had scooped him in the D.C. That's always fun in D.C.s when these late guys that straggle in sign. And if it happens to I fit never right where... I get those guys. Like, this, I, I'm always like, the I, unlucky one there, yeah. I'm always picking so quickly. I'm not like one of those people that just like waits and waits on the clock and stuff like that. But it just so happened that... like. I was like either in a meeting or something like when, you know, the signing happened. And so I've been on the clock for a couple hours uh, and all of a sudden, you know, like, Bang. Hey, just, just grab it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really like this signing for the Rays and for, for Rosario. He, he, there are multiple avenues for playing time. They like these guys that can kind of be Swiss army knives. I know he's bad defensively and that uh, will limit kind of his upside. Like even if Brandon Lau got hurt, like, I just don't even know if they would make him the full-time guy. Like, maybe they brought up, bring up, like, a Curtis Mead or someone like that to, to play I second. Think, so I think Rosario will lose that that kind of fourth plate appearance a lot to a defensive replacement. I think we could see a bunch of that, even even if he does find himself in something of a, of a starting role. He hasn't played the outfield since, I guess, 22. So he just didn't play it last year. But that is an avenue as well. Like, he doesn't have yeah. a ton of experience there. But we know, like you said, the Rays love Swiss Army Knives. 
they could consider him out there too. And just, like I said, dot Ahmed Rosario all around the field, get him some PT. He's got a 340 ADP in the month. Um, I don't expect this one to go very high either. Of course, he's also shortstop. So all those same points about where the pockets of value are apply to him as well. Maybe he finds his way in that, in that Neto to Waller range, the 268 yeah. to 305. But I don't really see him surpassing much beyond that because I don't think many are going to see the this as a full-time role. He'll have to earn the playing time. So yeah. I'm going to be fine even with a little bit of a price jump. I think the 340 is a fine, fine price point as well. I think as well. Yeah, I, I'm right okay. there with you. I, I will say before we move on, though, yes. this does bury some of their prospects, right? Like It does. You know, you know, if you really, you know, some people were drafting like Junior Caminaro like a little bit too early and still drafting Curtis Mead. Like I, I would not be drafting them in Fab Leagues. Same. I'm not. I'm worried. I'm focused on them for in season at this point yeah. when something opens up to get them there. As it stands right now, mm -hmm. I just don't really see the value in drafting them. Love Caminero long term, but short term, no thanks. Uh, Gio Urshela signs with my Tigers, and I really like this move. I know there was a quote not too long ago from Scott Harris saying that they weren't going to go for anybody uh, that was like an everyday guy the rest of the way. I think he was implying, you know, the, the Boris Four weren't going to be on the Tigers radar or anything. But I think Urshela could absolutely be the dude at third. If he's healthy, you know, he had a big injury last year that undercut his season, but we are a year removed from 551 plate appearances with a two and a half win season in Minnesota. There's no reason that he can't overtake that job right now. McKinstry and Veerling, uh, pencil in as guys that could get some PT there. And of course, of course, Justin Henry Malloy is a guy that's in the minors working his way up, trying to get some third base reps. Jace Young is another youngster who could also uh, fit in over there. But I think Urshela could kind of stave all of them off. He's a quality player. I love this move for the Tigers at 1.5 mil. And for Urshela, who's a nice, solid, kind of a DC boring guy who I think can at least get 450 plate appearances if not another 550 like we saw in 22 yeah uh i agree i think you know especially defensively he's such a good defensive uh, third baseman so uh you know not a bad pick in a dc right now uh, yeah. or even as like a last infielder on your bench uh in a 15 team league i think this does like say like hey they're probably gonna platoon guys like uh colt keith um, or Keith Colt, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so just kind of keep that in mind that, like, you know, they got three guys on their bench right now that could be looking at, you know, platoons uh, and Carson Kelly, uh, Andy Banez, and Matt Veerling. So, um, you know, uh, it's a fine signing. I don't know that he's going to be a major target for me. It's not a great no. park. He's not been great offensively, but. You know, he could be a volume play. Solidly boring volume, exactly. Yeah. He did hit 285 with Minnesota in that full year, and 299 last year. Like he was, he was hitting a bit. The power was really uh, not there yet, and maybe it would have gotten going. You know, had he played more than 62 games, kind of back to his normal levels. He had a 374 slug, but it's a boringly solid pickup for the Tigers. I like it more for the real baseball aspect than the fantasy yeah. aspect. Uh, Brandon Woodruff signing back to Milwaukee for two years. Obviously, we're not worried about this year because uh, he's going to be out for pretty much the entire year. But for next year, they'll have him back. And I like that move. And there's, I don't think there's a ton to analyze here. Do you try to get these guys in, in dynasty leagues at all? Uh, sometimes like if like, I, I don't mind going after guys who are getting Tommy John. The shoulder is a little bit more concerning because there, there was talk about this potentially being career ending. Um, so I'm glad he got some money because uh, he was supposed to hit uh, free agency, I think, next year. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, and he so would have gotten he, a big fat deal. Yeah. Had he been healthy. So uh, I'm, I'm glad he got a little bit of cash. Uh, but ultimately I probably am not seeking this out in dynasty league unless he's like dirt cheap and we got all, and you've got a lot of IL spots. Yeah. And if I'm maybe in full rebuild, yeah. If, if I'm one of the bottom feeding teams this year, knowing that I'm in for a bad year. Sure. Uh, Cause I do love B Woody, but I'm not necessarily seeking it out. By the way, right now on my screen, Joe Musgrove is throwing to Mookie Betts and they've oh. got a little cutout of Fernando Tatis jr. In the outfield baseball is back, baby baseball is got to turn it on while we talk that's right it's on espn right now take a look all right let's get into some starters here we're gonna get going here into our starter preview it'll be i think it'll at least match the four episodes of the outfield maybe five because we like to really go in depth with it and uh and really get in to the pitching tiers um this one you know the the first couple tiers here probably not going to have as much in depth just because like, what can you say about Spencer Strider? Oh my God, he's good. Uh, you know, and Garrett Cole, but that is our first one. The first round aces here, Strider, uh, looking at the last month of drafts, 51 drafts since January 21st, he is seventh in ADP and Garrett Cole is 13th. These are the only two guys that are going in the first round. Um, Corbin Burns is right there with a min pick of 16, but that's it. Just Cole, or Seeger, uh, Seeger. I'm looking at a shortstop thing as I change back <laughs> over to SP. Just Cole and Strider are the only two that you will ever see in the first round right now, um, consistently. What do you think about that? Oh, actually, no, wait. I'm, I am wrong. Burns did get in there. He has a min of 12, but his ADP is 18, so he'll be in the next year. But Strider, Cole, you taking either of them in the first round? I know we talked about how much we like those hitters that run about eight, ten deep. Do you have to have a back? A half in the first round pick do you ever jump up and take strider early where are you at on the two aces in the first uh i've drafted both of these guys um you know when i you know been in kind of the middle to kind of back end of the first round and strider falls i have no problem taking them there and then uh i think i've taken cole at 15 um at least once if not uh more than once i'd have no problem taking them i think they're about as safe as aces you can get i know there has been some talk uh from some people in the industry about like Oh, Strider had a lot of innings, a big jump. He throws so violently, like he he he's gonna get hurt. I just think that is overthinking things. Um, and <laughs> isn't that like? Didn't we complain that he didn't get enough innings and that was gonna be the problem? And now they're using the yeah. opposite against him this year. Like, if you don't like Strider, that's fine. But at some point, you're kind of looking for a reason. Yeah. And listen, I'm the one who says like every pitcher is risky, and that is I I stand mm-hmm. by that firmly. But that means that I'm not going to overly critique somebody like Strider because he had a big a 55 jump, uh, 55 inning jump. I mean, he's a stud. Like we wanted him to get innings. He showed he can do a full year, and now I'm going to move away from him. I don't think so. Not with this talent. No. I'm in. And then Cole is just kind of the consummate ace these days. He's almost boring at this point. I think I've got three shares because I keep getting these late round picks, and I'm I'm going uh you know Cole big bat to kind of start things off, and I have no problem with that. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on both too. The max pick for Strider is 11. So if you don't want to take him in that single digit, you can still get him. Um, is there ever a, a scenario where you are taking him in those single digit areas? I mean, as we start getting to like the main event season, I definitely could think about it, but I just think it's, there's so like when you start pushing into like the top six or seven, mm-hmm. like you're really passing up on an elite bat. Um, that's really, really hard. 
and pitching is so deep, especially kind of in the like you know second and third tiers that I probably won't. Like I, I know like as we start moving towards the end of March, especially those of you who play in like NFBC, but really playing in any league, we're gonna start seeing pitchers push up. Corbin Burns will be a first rounder. He'll probably be a back in the first round guy. Um, and you will see Strider move into like the top five uh, regularly, and, and he'll have a min of one. Somebody will take. Somebody will do. It. Yeah, somebody will do it. Um, and then Cole move up probably into the middle of the first round, right? So, um, I think at those prices, I'm more than likely going to just take a hitter. Uh, yeah, I think Cole I just love will be those in the conversation for me, but I think more than likely. Because when those pitchers move up, hitters are going to move down, and all of a exactly. sudden, all of a sudden, like you're going to be able to get, you know, I shoot, I was just in a draft, I was in the Barf League draft, and I was and I was picking at seven, and Corbin Carroll fell to me, like Corbin Carroll at seven, like, like felt really really good to start, you know, I, I think I started um, Corbin Carroll and Austin Riley, like you know, and uh, so like as those pitchers move up, like. Yes, some in some some instances you're going to want to move up with those, and other instances you're going to get discounts on hitters, and hitters are safer. Yeah, just generally they're going to be safer. Like I said, I do like Strider. I'm not using the innings jump against him or anything. I just am going to prefer those hitters though. So I don't see myself taking him outside of the occasional league where he does fall into the early double digit uh picks there and if my my yep. set of hitters does fall uh go by the wayside there then maybe i take them but cole like i said i've already got multiple shares so maybe i'll probably i don't know i i, I don't even want to say that I'll, I'll stop getting shares because if he falls to me in the main and i'm sitting there at like 13 then I, I would probably take him again. I, don't, I really yeah, don't I mind yeah. uh, stocking up on him. So yeah, those two are studs. Those are the two that, like I said, are going consistently in the first round. Burns is the only other one who makes it into the first round with his min, but these are the second, third round aces. Corbin Burns at an ADP of 21, Zach Wheeler, 24, Kevin Gosman, 28, Luis Castillo, 29, George Kirby, 34, Pablo Lopez, 35, and Zach Gallon, 40. Really interesting group of seven arms here. Do you have a favorite at their current price? Um, I like a lot of these guys. I, the favorite, I, I think my favorite is probably Luis Castillo. I know that like, uh, George Kirby and, uh, and Logan Gilbert are getting a lot of love in Seattle, especially from the uh, fantasy community, especially Kirby. Kirby is just I was continuously say, moving up. Like, when is Gilbert getting love? Because he was shat on last year when I really saw him and Kirby to be so similar. It seemed yeah. like there's so much Kirby love. And again, this year, which I co-signed, by the way, I love Kirby, yeah. but I really do love Gilbert. I feel like he kind of gets... I did too. I mean, he, he, I mean, he, he does get a little... Sh- yeah, he does. Um, but I think like, if somebody's going to win a Cy Young in Seattle, I think it's Luis Castillo. I just, he was I my love pick what last he does. Year. Um, and I think he's probably going to be my pick this year for AL Cy Young. Um, and you get him in kind of the middle of the second round in a 15-teamer uh, uh, or or back end of the first, or second round in a 15-teamer. And, like, yeah, so, like, you're talking about a third-rounder in a 12-teamer? Sign me up. I, I love Luis Castillo. Fully co-sign that. I really will take any of the three Seattle Aces without incident. Um, I have no problem doing that, but yeah, definitely like Luis Castillo. Uh, and there's no one in this. There's no one in this tier that I'm avoiding. Um, like yeah, there's definitely uh, guys I get more often than others, uh, but that's mostly because 
I'm usually going hit or hitter in the first two rounds. And so I land on a lot of Pablo Lopez and Zach Allen. Actually, I will say the one that I, I don't see myself landing on as much is Gosman. And I like Kevin Gosman. I've been I was a fan, super fan back in the Baltimore days, waiting for him to turn into the stud I thought he could be. And you know, he finally got there a decade later. But um, you know, he's been a stud these last several years. But the Babbitt keeps gnawing at me because it did improve last year by 42 points, and yet he was still third worst in the league at 321. It's just that his 363 the year before was so insane. And I guess maybe it shouldn't bother me so much because he's been successful in spite of that. And so if it actually improves, well, then look out. Then here comes a, a Cy Young caliber season, which I, I believe is what many are probably thinking. I totally get that. I guess I just haven't really landed on him. He hasn't been a full avoid, but I have kind of had that Babbitt issue gnawing at me. Any thoughts to what's going on there with the two years of horrendous Babbitt? Is it just splitter inconsistency? Is it the turf? Is it the defense? Is it a mix of all three? What's going on with Gosman's Babbitt? I feel like it's the turf and... Uh and the uh and the defense behind him a, a little bit it's also he he does allow a fair amount you know of contact in the zone he's 85 percent zone contact which is uh you know league average right and usually when you have a guy like him you want him to be below league average or mm -hmm. above league. ground ball guy too yeah. which is going to um it, add to babbitt yeah and especially on that turf right because the ball moves faster on the turf the defense behind him uh, you know, it's not bad necessarily, but it's not good either. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine. Um, he's a guy that I don't tend to land on very often because I think I've got him lower in my ranks than all of these guys. Yeah. I think all of these guys. So for me, like pull up my ranks, he, uh, now my ranks are still a work in progress cause I've just started my pitching, uh, projections, but, um, uh, he's gonna pro he's more than likely gonna be below every single one of these guys. Uh, not necessarily a fair amount, but enough where if I'm sitting at you know his ADP's pick twenty eight, if I'm sitting at uh, sitting at you know pick twenty eight, uh, and I want to take a starter, I'm gonna take Luis Castillo. I'm gonna take George Kirby. I'm gonna take Pablo Lopez or Zach Gallen. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, he's probably the one I avoid the most. Lopez is if I'm gonna avoid a second one, it's probably next on that list um just because of the past health but ultimately he's had two healthy seasons i'm not overly worried about that yeah i just generally lean toward the two mariners and so i you know you can't land on all of them right and when yeah. there's a group here that you really like some will say oh spread it out and get get one of each you know as, as you move over your mm -hmm. drafts others will say oh tasker hernandez with the three run shot um others will want to you know, stick with their guys and kind of consistently get them. And for me, I, I do more of that where I, I will continue to get the same guys. And with me, it is the two, uh, the two Mariners with Castillo mm -hmm. and Kirby. All right. So let's talk, let's talk. We talked Burns when he got traded. So we kind of has said that we think he's going to be a first rounder. We love him over there. And yeah, in, um, Baltimore. it's a great spot for him. Yeah. Zach Wheeler is not underrated because he's picked 24. But he feels kind of like the ho hum ace. Like, oh, I'll just take Zach Wheeler. I'll just pencil in another two bills. Um, you know, he's the fifth pitcher off the board. So again, I don't want to sit here and overstate. Like, oh, he needs love. But when I look at him, 
it does really feel like, wow, this is one of the most consistent, bankable guys. And that is still something that's difficult for me to get my head around, even though this is so long ago now. But remember when he missed all of 15 and 16 and then had 86 innings and 17? We're like, this guy's career is on the road here. Yeah. 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 And now he has emerged into one of the premier aces of the game. It's just so impressive to me. Now, I don't let any of that old injury history influence him. I only bring it up to say like, wow, he's really come a long way and career trajectories can really go so crazy like that. But is Wheeler somebody that you see as one of those bona fide aces, even though he is into his mid thirties now at 34, do you pencil him in for the buck 85, buck 90? I said two bills. He really only has one 200 inning season, but he is one, you know, the consistent everyday kind of guy in Philadelphia. Are you in on him? Uh, you said you like this whole group, of course, but do you like him at 34? And you start to worry that maybe some of those previous injury issues will crop back up. You said he's the fifth pitcher off the board. He's actually the fourth pitcher off the board because Shoei Otani. Oh, yeah. Otani keeps confusing so, things. Yes. Um, I will be going back and forth all draft season on whether Zach Wheeler is the fourth or uh, Luis Castillo is my fourth. Um, but they're going to probably duo, be four. Yeah, they're going to be four or five. Like, yeah, so they're going to be four or five. I love Zach Wheeler. I think you can pencil him for 190 innings and – you know, good ratios, uh, strikeout an inning or more. Uh, like, I just love a guy who does not give up home runs, does not give up walks. Uh, like, he is what people want George Kirby to turn into. And that, people are starting to draft that. George Kirby yeah. as uh, Zach Wheeler. But George Kirby ain't there yet. Zach Wheeler is. I don't know if it's age or, or what that keeps people kind of pushing him down. But, like, there's probably no reason that Zach Wheeler isn't like, like, like battling Corbin Burns for the number three spot, um, especially after Corbin Burns' last season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a real argument for Zach Wheeler at towards the back end of the first round, beginning of the second as those pitchers move up. Corbin Burns' season last year was very good. I don't like the narrative that he had any sort of struggles. He, I don't even want to say stumbled. He like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, he struggled to trip started the year. Out of yeah. the it was two less than stellar, stellar starts. That's it. I want people. Well, actually, you know what? People that draft with me, I want you to keep pretending that he had this big struggle season. But those of you listening that are going to go into your drafts and and try to succeed, I want you to know that he did not have any real tangible struggle. It was two bad starts. They were bad. I do not deny that. But from that point on, it was 30 starts of a 308 ERA with 194 Ks and 184 innings. Corbin Burns was Corbin Burns outside of those two starts. I think it was just that first impression that really stuck with people. He led the National League in whip. So I, I like them as a as a three four interchangeably. He and um, uh, Burns and Wheeler. I've got no issues with them. And then I have the two Mariners there, Kirby and Castillo at five six in my uh in, in my rankings are you looking at burns's stats right now are, are you with me that maybe that's being a little overblown that he struggled yeah. mm -hmm. and, i remember some like, struggles down the stretch but like they were kind of like interlaced with like dominant starts so it, like, it was and it was yeah. um you're probably looking at the the august into september where he kind of had an yeah. up down thing five zero six one four zero four mm -hmm. like those were his earned run totals. So exactly like, that's exactly that little inconsistency there, but... and maybe that stuck with people too because that's at the end of the year but then he ended with nine scoreless across his final two starts too so burnsy yeah. as had, locked as you can get 
it is 3.2 ERA and over a strikeout inning over the course of the last two months, 60 and a third inning. So like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's yeah, he's fantastic. And he's moving to like the best park in baseball to pitch in right now. Like, so especially with, um, especially if you're right-handed um, and, yeah. and you, if you've ever expressed any sort of home run issue, that's a place to go get it fixed. Let's talk a little bit more about Kirby. You talk about how people want him to kind of become Zach Wheeler with the control focused excellence, which I, I think is an interesting comparison that I can totally see 335 ERA 104 whip last year, just unbelievable command and control 3% walk rate when he had a 4% in 2022 I don't think anybody thought he was going to improve and in fact if you want to get to the decimal he went from 4.1 to 2.5 so you know rounding even underestimates how Kirby improved last year a little bit he also is toying with that knuckleball like he threw the one last year that everyone loved it was like in honor of tim wakefield which was really neat mm-hmm. um and then now he's kind of toying with it more maybe he has like a weapon that he can just deploy a, a time or two per game if he needs to just kind of throw somebody way off kilter but this isn't some soft tossing command guy either he throws 96 i still think there's a giant strikeout spike capable he might not get there because he doesn't have to he has so much good control that he can just kind of um get guys to roll over on something two three pitches into account and and go from there but i still think that kirby has the stuff to be a strikeout stud in addition to this great control artistry is he a future bona fide ace because i I think he's not an ace yet until he shows kind of that strikeout per inning capability but i believe he can get there do you think kirby can be that ace and will it be this year because he is a very expensive pick now. I think that a can and, and will are two very different questions, right? True. Like, do I think he can? Yes, I think he can. I think he what has is the likelihood talent. of it. And is he worth I, the 34th pick then I guess would be the next question. I don't know that he will. Um, I think that people are like, I think, and we've seen other guys and I'm, I'm blanking on some names right now to like kind of reference to where like we go, Whoa, like he's like, when you watch him pitch, you're like, you're like, Oh man, this guy's got really great stuff. He throws 95, throws 96, throws 99. All he needs to do is miss some more bats. He's never really missed bats. And that's partially by design. I, like, I've got a know. name for you and it's okay. going to sound weird because this guy ended so horribly that I don't think people remember how great this guy was, but Jordan Zimmerman was somebody. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah, um, I like mean, that, I thought we a always little bit kind of a different pitcher because uh, I think Kirby does has uh, it looks to have more dominant stuff than Zimmerman necessarily. Did. But he threw ninety five. Like, yeah, he didn't walk guys. And if you watched Zimmerman, you could see the secondaries be bat messers. But again, he didn't care about that because yeah. the efficiency was important to him. And that's how he maintained such a great walk rate. And again, he ended horribly with Detroit. But when he was with Washington, he was a monster. And so I wonder if it's going to be like that, where he's just always going to be that excellent number two. But now, unlike Zimmerman, uh, Kirby's being ascended into an ace territory here at pick 34. And I do wonder if, if, if maybe are we overpaying a little bit? I, I'm paying it. So I'm not saying it from the standpoint that I would agree, but I'm just asking the question of maybe do we need to check ourselves when the Lopez's and the Gallons and then the next tier that we're going to get into are going after him and they're much better strikeout guys than Kirby. Is he too expensive? I don't think he's too expensive. But I also don't think you need those strikeouts to make a guy expensive because he, he threw 190 innings last year. Yeah, um, he's got the kind of body that we think can can sustain that over the course. 
you know, of the next few years at least. Uh, he's young. He's in a good park on a good team. Um, and you can volume a lot of those strikeouts, even if you're not getting true. Now he's, he's a guy I want to pair like my number two better be a strikeout dude. But I think the reason why he deserves to be here is not the reason why he's being drafted here. He's being drafted here because people are like, he's got more strikeout stuff. There's more upside. He could be the number one pitcher in fantasy. Um, I think the reason you should draft him here is because I think the floor is really, really high on a young guy, which is great. Um, you know, 190 innings last year, uh, all, just a minuscule walk rate, less than a walk per nine last year, a home right at it's about crazy. one. Like he's, he's a horse. Um, he was the seventh, and, uh, sorry to interrupt you. He was the seventh starter on the auction calculator last year. So just a repeat yeah. is fine. Yeah. That's a good point on, on your part. Like he doesn't, you don't have to project all this improvement. Uh, George Kirby, just repeating, you're getting there with the, with the fifth starter overall. And they're all, you know, the other guys in this tier all have some sort or of question mark, um, you know, uh, uh, or sorry, the other guys going behind him in this tier in the Pablo Lopez, Zach Gallons, you can throw Kevin Gosman in there. They've all got like Kevin Gosman's got the Babip issue. Uh, Pablo Lopez has prior shoulder issues uh, that could be a little bit scary. Uh, Zach Gallon just threw like seven million innings <laughs> last year and had like His an innings. elbow or forearm issue um, last year as well. Like, yeah. So like, I I think for me it's less about like, oh, I see the upside. If the upside comes, great. That is icing on the cake. Um, you know, a very very tasty cake. But <laughs> the reason the cake tastes good is because George Kirby's floor is so safe with that walk rate being so min minuscule. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. And now talking about Gallon, that now his innings, you know, we talk about Strider and we're not really worried about his innings jump. Gallon going from 184 last year to 243 this year when you factor in the playoffs. And you should take those 33 and two thirds and kind of do like a 1.25 on them um, in terms of like yeah. the, the pressure that they put on him because they're playoff innings. Is that my boy who just went yard? Somebody else just went yard. Was that Gavin Lux? Say the name. Oh, Kevin Padlow. No, not Kevin Lux. <laughs> uh, but so, you know, it's more like 42 innings almost in addition to the 210 in the regular season. So he's pushing almost 250 there. Does that give you any pause with Zach Gallon? Again, you did say that you generally like everyone in this tier, so nobody you're hating on. But as you make your decisions and you you keep going back to Castillo and, and Wheeler and Kirby, are you moving off of Gallon because of the workload at all? No. Okay. I mean, like I know other people are, I mean, some people are like, but they, that just gives you a guy who can throw 200 innings at a discount. Like that's just fine. Like, you know, like uh, I, I will probably bounce Zach Gallen and, and George Kirby back and forth in my ranks. But my guess is that let's see if uh, uh, Wheeler and Castillo back uh, bounce between four and five uh, Gallen and, and Kirby will probably be six and seven. Like that's Who's I, I five? No. Oh, Castillo's your five. Yeah. Castillo's my five. I got Kirby five, Castillo six, Gallon seven, and then Gosman yeah. eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um and then you mentioned Pablo Lopez here. Um anything else to add? Like I like him. I don't really have a whole lot to add. I think he's a stud. Uh it was always the health. You know, he's one of those mm -hmm. guys that I was always drafting because it's like, hey, the talent's there. Yep. Just show me some health. And now he's done it two years in a row. Like you said, in the back of your mind, you you think about the shoulder and it's like, okay, he could get hurt again, but what pitcher couldn't? I yeah. love what he's able to do. 
Any concern then, just, I'll ask one question. Any concern that the elevate uh, at the elevated ERA a little bit, 375, 366. The whips have been excellent. The volume's been there. Do you have any issues on that? Or do you think you could actually improve upon that when you look at a 337 Sierra last year versus the 366 ERA with Lopez? Yeah, the XERA was even lower. It's three flat. Like, I I have zero concerns on Pablo yeah. Lopez. I think the only concern with me is that little voice in the back of my head that goes, shoulder injuries. Shoulder, had lots shoulder. of shoulders. Yeah. But it has been two straight years where he's made 32 starts. He's thrown at least 180 innings in each one of those seasons. No reason to think, like, at this point that that's going to reoccur. So. Yep. I, I definitely agree there. Did we talk about Kodai Senga starting on the I.L.? We I crossed didn't. it off our list, and I, let's just talk about him in the in the tier then, okay? Uh, because he's at the, he's at the end there, um, but yeah, he is going to start on the IL because I crossed it off our list on accident. I don't know why I did that. All right, let's you can cross it off your draft sheet too, because I'm not. Yeah, you you should all. definitely do that because we're not <laughs> drafting him now. Justin and I were just not taking the guys that are going to start on the IL um, in most drafts. There's certain formats where maybe you can, but we'll talk about that. Risky aces, okay? We just got past this group here where yeah, you did come up with some question marks for the seven that we just talked about but those are pretty i don't want to say flimsy because i'm not trying to undercut what you said they're not game-changing question marks that takes you off of them these next five i think you can you can ask some really tough questions about them and a lot of people are going to have them off their board at these price points tyler glass now at 41 yoshinobi Yoshinobu Yamamoto at 43, Tariq Skubal at 50, Freddie Peralta at 55, and Blake Snell at 67. You got the reigning NL Cy Young. You got Peralta coming off an excellent season. Um, you got Yamamoto coming over from Japan. Glass now going to the Dodgers off of his career high of 120 innings. And then Skubal with a brilliant half season that left everyone with a great taste in their mouth at the end of the year. But it's a half season. Now he's going 50. This is an expensive group. Let's start with the two Dodgers, Glass now and Yamamoto. You pay in these top 45 price points, which is a, a th top three round pick for either of them in the 15 teamers? No. It, and so obviously with Glass now, it's the health piece. Yeah, with it's Yamamoto, just the innings. And I, like Glass now, like I know like people, like every year we have this conversation with Glass now, and every year I say, I'm just not doing it. It's too expensive at the price. Last year, he said a career high in innings pitch. It was 120. I know. That's hilarious. Like, like and I, I have this argument with everybody every year. And, like, I get it, like, on a per inning basis, he's elite. But, like, at some point, you need volume. Like, and I just. Sure. I can't project volume for him. What like, if. Okay. That's totally fair. But it's like the, the Grom thing at this point, obviously. We're not drafting Degrom this year, but like even in these past years, like when we were kind of starting to draft him, it's like, well, I'm not going to plan for the full return of of Jacob Degrom. What if you carve out a plan for it though? What if you, with intent, get Logan Webb and Tyler Glass now, or Fromber Valdez and Glass now, or you go Wheeler Webb Glass now as your top three or something, sure. whatever I that is would you be open to that? I'm not saying that would no. you do it because clearly you don't want to do it. No, I'm not open to it. You, you don't co-sign somebody doing that? No, I don't. I, I just, because like you said, every pitcher is risky. Yep. So it's not like you can, like, I mean, you're going to pencil in 190 or 200 innings with a guy like Webb or Glass now. But it's pencil, but like, it's not ink. But it's pencil. And like yeah. all of a sudden you, you only get 120 innings and let's say you get 60 from Framber because he blows out his UCL. Now you're 
you're missing way too many innings. You're missing way too many strikeouts. Like, like I, I just think it's such a risk early on to take. Like, if you want to take like a high upside gamble, like go take Tristan McKenzie, like way, way later. I don't like that gamble either, but I would much rather cheaper. take. <laughs> I would much rather take it at the price. Like, I just, yeah. I, I, I don't understand like why we have this like and and one year i'm going to be wrong it may be this year right but he, but it, it isn't wrong though either right it, because it's, it's one of those process. things like i'm doing exactly. the right process exactly like, you know we make this we made this joke for years on the the sale thing right people kept projecting his injury 10 years later they got it right okay nice victory lap dork like you were wrong for someone that's on the opposite end of things but like even if people do get the glass now season i agree i don't think that they should enjoy it i won't want rain on their parade but i will say like when you're looking at this process i stand by that process of not wanting to this, get a guy whose career high is 120 innings in a top 50 pick that's so I think expensive we, i think we forget or i think a lot of people forget like that tyler glass now had a career in tampa bay or sorry a career in pittsburgh before tampa bay they're like <laughs> well he's only been around for like four or five seasons like uh, at some point he's no, like this is his ninth season in the major yep. leagues. He's 30. And he's only twice crossed the hundred inning threshold and never this gotten is... the past 120. Like it's just like it's insane to me that we keep having this argument. And like, yes, I know last year I made this argument with Blake Snell. Um, and Blake Snell went on to win the Cy Young. That's in the range of outcomes. But you know what else is in the range of outcomes? 57 innings, 60 yeah. innings, because he's done that twice. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's actually a great case there is uh bring god dang it someone just got drafted in my towel wars three picks in a row the top three in my key royce lewis bobby miller and alex bregman that is not very nice it's an obp league so uh, that's really not cool kyle l frank anyway um <laughs> snell's a great example because you use the same thing with him that's this is exactly what you said and yeah you quote unquote lost last year but it's the process of not wanting to take a guy that has this kind of injury or the you know well injury and volume risk and that's why you don't do it but um, it, it was even better with snell last year because like you weren't paying this price on snell no that's the thing it was he was not this expensive like, this is listen i've said this before with the glass now this is pretty privileged run amok this yeah. is hot people get everything, Absolutely. including high draft slots. It's just if he was ugly, we would not be taking him this high. I'm only partially <laughs> kidding. He is insanely good looking, and it's kind of ridiculous. It pisses me off. Now, yeah. Yamamoto doesn't come over with, you know, the major threat of pitching 50 innings due to health, because he's pitched healthily in Japan. But uh, I imagine that this is year one of a big deal coming halfway across the world, uh, is why you're staying away from him, yes. Yeah, well, and just the price. Like, it, I mean, we're talking about like a top 40, top 50 price. Like, it's just, that's a lot to gamble on a guy who's never seen Major League Kidding. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, I actually don't have this big of an issue with Yamamoto um, going as high as he is. I just doubt I'm ever going to be the guy that takes him. And I think, especially. But, but you take him, you, you could actually see yourself maybe taking him. Over like Glass now is fully out yeah. for you, it seems. Yeah. Is there a world where Yamamoto drip? dips 10 15 picks beyond adp where you would jump yeah i think to be quite honest like looking kind of just at the adp as it is if yamamoto dropped below the next guy in Tariq scoogle um i would think i would take yamamoto over blake snell and over freddie peralta so okay. i could definitely see myself doing it 
Will that happen? Probably not. And Unfortunately, it's going the other way. Yeah, and if it does happen, it would have to be because Yamamoto is my second. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally with that. If I was making Yamamoto my second guy to go like if with I go Cole, Garrett Cole in the first round, and yeah. then I got Yamamoto in the fourth round, okay, yeah, yeah, I could do if that. If you can cushion my risk, that's mm -hmm. something I can get behind. But like I said, he's going the opposite way. Yeah, and not uh, we've we said this about a bunch of guys, but it's it's about to start happening. We got the first game going right now. There's a handful of guys that once they are showing positivity in spring. Price is going to go up. And Glass Now is one of them too. This price could rise on Glass Now. It will That's rise. That's the craziest probably. part. Yeah. Yes. And I can't get behind that. Yamamoto, I'm more open to. Um, Scooble, I'm a Tigers fan. I love Scooble. I'm in ish. I'm in ish, Justin. 50's tough. At least he has a full season under his belt, right? Like we're not projecting him to do something he's never done like you might be with glass now right because glass now's peak is 120 at least scooble has made the 30 plus turns um he did so actually it was 29 starts and two relief appearances but it was 149 innings back in 2021 um and then a relatively full season in 2022 well not that full 118 innings but hell even that is close to glass now's career high but then just 80 innings last year they were immaculate is that enough to get you on board with Scooble, who people are projecting to take the leap? Plus, it's age 27, which means it's automatically perfect. But um, can you take the risk on Scooble? I have, and I will. Oh, you've already got him. Yeah. Um, Good. I guess I must, I, have, I must have seven, and I'm drafting my eighth team. But I have three shares already of Scooble. Okay. Um, and I can't remember. Did I draft him in this draft I'm currently doing? I should probably know that off the top of my head but yeah, it's honestly, hard to keep up with all of them it's been such a literal slow draft that uh <laughs> <laughs> i you can't keep I, up oh no no that's right i i started uh cole burns in this uh in this one so, okay oh um, yeah oh yeah i remember that i remember that one you're still doing that well i guess that it's not surprising that you're still doing that draft but if you're not very far I, along it is i choose the four hour clocks because the clock starts at five o'clock in the morning on the West coast on the West coast side. Yeah. And when, so for those of who don't play draft champions, uh, halfway through the, or a little over half of the draft in round 31, they, they shorten the clock. Uh, they cut it in half. So, and you don't want to get uh, burned sleeping. Yeah. Like I, I can't do a two hour clock that shortens to a one hour clock that starts at five o'clock in the morning. Um, so I don't, I don't want to get burned. So I do the four yeah, that, hour ones, but it takes forever. That's just prudent. Um, okay. So you love Scooble. Um, I love Scooble. I, I love Scooble too. 50s dicey and pricey, but I think I can take the plunge. I really do. I would like him to be my two, but I, I think even if he is my one, then I just take another two starters pretty quickly, personally. So tell, yeah. talk to us about how, where you've drafted him, what, what your outlook is. Are we getting a full season here? You're projecting him for 180, 160. Where are you at on the innings? Have you done his projection yet, Scooble? I haven't done his projection yet, but I think I'm going to be right in the middle of that, about 150. Um, okay. And I think it's going to come with a crap ton of strikeouts. Again, another guy who doesn't walk guys and give up home runs. Uh, the, the control has been really, really impressive. He's gotten better every season that he's pitched with yep. that control uh I mean, the control was like the big issue for him coming up to the minor leagues and well then and then it became command because then he had yeah. the good walk rates mm -hmm. but then the home runs were sky high 2.1 2.5 his first two seasons for scooble but now he's really improved that 0. 0.7 mm -hmm. and 0. 0.5 the last two years 
And last year was his first year off of TJ. And usually your first year off of TJ, what do you struggle with? Command and control. Control. What yeah. was immaculate for him was command and control. <laughs> Both. Last year. Like, and there's reports he's already throwing a hundred. I know. I know. Like I he's gonna jump up. I'll be okay with it. Um, you know, will I get him in like a lot of my big money drafts? Probably not. I think the price is just gonna go through the roof. It's gonna like, go. I think yeah, like uh, it's. I'm really kind of glad that he's he's kind of stuck behind Glass now in Yamamoto because I'm hoping that he stays behind those guys and maybe all three of them rise up. All three rise together, um, yeah. Uh, but what'll end up probably happening is I'll just get more Pablo Lopez and Zach Gallon if they're the ones who drop down. So I'm, I'm um, okay with that too. Yeah, I am too. So, but ultimately, yeah, I have I have no problem taking Tariq Skubal, uh kind of where he's going. Uh, but again, like you said. I want to pair him with an innings guy, right? I want to pair him with Garrett Cole. I want to pair him with Logan Webb. I want to pair him with Framber Valdez. Uh, you know, I want to pair him with a guy that I feel like can like be a workhorse. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at too. Um, and like I said, even if he's my one, then I'm probably taking another couple of starters pretty quickly to really set my foundation there. But I love the idea of going Cole and then getting like Scooble. I just took Scooble in the barf draft and I mm-hmm. uh, I want to just bring up my team real quick. And um, so I had started, uh, I actually don't feel real great about this b- pitching build, but um, I, I started three straight hitters. I went Carol, Riley, uh, Guerrero, and then I took Tariq Scooble in the fourth round, uh, Zach Eflin in the sixth, Sonny Gray in the eighth. Okay. Um, I don't feel super great about that. I kind of wish instead of taking um, a guy like uh, trying to see uh, where, where'd Webb go in this one? No, Webb went before school. So I couldn't have taken him. Um, yeah. Maybe Framber was the guy I should have taken. And you, you said so, a big Framber oh, guy in the past. Framber, Framber went right in the pick right after mine. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely don't want to build that way in the future. If I'm going to take Scooble, yeah. I want to take guys who don't have very many health concerns. If you catch your boy Luis Castillo, uh, you yeah. know, already getting him with with Scooble makes some sense. Let's talk about the other two here in this category. They are the more established of, of these five. Uh, Freddie Peralta and Blake Snell, especially with the seasons they're coming off of, it might feel a little unfair to put them in here. But we don't just go off of last year because it's not we're not just getting carbon yeah. copies of the year before. So while Freddie Peralta is coming off a career high 166 innings and he was awesome, especially down the stretch, 30 starts for the first time, 31% K rate, which is amazing. We love it, but it was 78 innings the year before, 144 the year before that, and then big injury issues in 18 and 19 as well. And then of course Snell coming off the 180 and the Cy Young, but 128 innings the two years before that. So when you look at these two, obviously with Snell, we don't have to get too deep because we know we're going to revisit him when he gets signed somewhere. But with these two, Peralta and Snell, do you find yourself landing on them at all at at 55 for Peralta and 67 for Snell? Or do they carry too much risk? And again, I know Snell's risk could be uh, totally where he lands versus Peralta's being more about him. So let's focus on Peralta here first. Are you taking him at pick 55? Can he repeat? Can he add more innings? That's a lot of questions, but where are you at on Peralta? I feel like the Brewers need him to add more innings, losing Corbin right? Burns and uh, and Woodruff. Uh, so 
but I just don't believe it. Like that, that frame just doesn't seem like a frame that can pile up the innings, yeah. um, especially with those mechanics. So uh, no, I Peralta is just not a guy I end up with. Snell's not a guy I end up with either. I think there are guys going after them I, that I feel way better about uh, uh, and guys going ahead of them that I feel way better about that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but uh, they would have to drop considerably, um, you know, uh, for, for me. And even like Snell, like, like there's been a lot of talk that my Giants are one of the teams that could end up with Snell. And while I would hate mm-hmm. that as a Giants fan, as a fantasy fan, um, I think his price would go through the f- Freaking room. I was going to say that's have the to problem. worry about it. <laughs> like, His price is oh, going to no, go it's not, no, up. Not a problem for me because I don't want anything to do with oh, him. Oh, yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. But if you do like Snell, you, you should be getting him now because I think whether it goes to the Yankees, which isn't the best place to pitch, but it's the Yankees or the Giants, which is a great place to pitch, that price is going up no matter what right now yeah. his price it's, is lower because of the uncertainty. better for a lefty. So, like, true, you know, it, um, you know, cause it's harder to hit, hit off of him into that to hit lefty, uh, into lefty. The short per- porch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I want him to sign cause I want his price to go up. Cause my hope is like that. He starts jumping a couple of these guys. We're going to talk about in future tiers, uh, that are still above him in the Aaron Nolas and Logan Webbs and the Framber Valdez is much rather have all those guys. Than, I think he'll at least uh, get to Freddie's price point at 55. Uh, I think yeah. Snell will at least get there. Let's talk about the trio of ascending aces here. These three youngsters are often kind of paired together that, you know, once one goes, the other two are going to go quickly, What regardless of what the order is. But right now, the ADP order is Grayson Rodriguez at 67, Bobby Miller 74, and Yuri Perez 79. Uh, my favorite is definitely Miller of the trio, but let's just take them in order. Grayson Rodriguez now doesn't have to be the ace. He especially with the Bradish injury, right? Because that was going to be like, oh, well, now he has to wear everything on his shoulders. But Burns was already there when the injury happened. They probably knew about it sooner. But Grayson can just be the number two. And I don't know how much pressure there is with that anyway. It's all speculation. Um, Unless a player comes out and says, oh, it really weighed on me. And so that was hard. We don't know. But he had the amazing return from his send down when he was demoted uh, after the rough May, looking like the guy that we think he can be. Does he do a full season of that this year? Is Grayson ready to arrive? Are you taking him in that top 70 zone? Yeah, I'm totally taking it. I'm taking all three of these guys, spoiler alert. Like I, I love all three of these guys. Um, and I think the EDP has the order right. Like I love Bobby Miller, but I think Grayson Rodriguez's upside is like best pitcher in baseball. Um, and you have that. I think Bobby part. Miller's is too, though. I don't know if he's quite that high, but I think it's pretty close. Um, so I love I love all three of these guys. I have no problem putting them on my team. I really want them as my number three starting pitcher. Um, but if I settle for them as my number two starting pitcher, I'm not going to be uh, upset. I got sniped by Eno Saris, our good buddy, uh, who we'll be talking to at Potapalooza sure. on Saturday. Um, or wait, on Sunday, I think, for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I was very, very angry at him. Uh, but he also had Tyler Glass now, so I felt like he needed at least another ace to, to kind of join. <laughs> you try to you give him some pity there. Oh, we yeah, know you, yeah. you, you need this more than I do. So, um, yeah, so uh, again, I, I can't really go wrong with any of the three here. I will take any of them. I'll take multiples. I would take two of the three. I, it's not I something think, I've done yet, yeah. but I could see myself doing it, especially on a turn if I don't have any pitching yet. It'd be risky especially in an auction. Like I think I like in an oh, auction. Yeah. yeah. Like I think I go, Oh, I'm not going to get an ACE and I'm just going to save all my money, 
you know, and instead of getting one ace and one of these guys, I'm going to get two of these guys or, and, you know, and have still have money left over, maybe three of these guys. Um, I think the difference between Bobby Miller, uh, who we're obviously going to talk about next and Grayson Rodriguez is, I mean, they're both on good teams, uh, but mm-hmm. Grayson Rodriguez has got a better park um, and less question marks about how they're going to use the pitchers in uh, Baltimore. Like there's this weird potential six day rotation in Los Angeles. Um, you know, do they gotta the, get innings from somebody though? They do. The do- but the Dodgers, Miller... I, the Dodgers are like like a team that like they somehow figure out a way for all their guys to throw 130 to 140 innings and still end up like with amazing output from random, like Pepio was not a guy we were talking about. A no, few years ago she that, like, could be that guy like, this year. Yeah. Like she, like, there could, there could be a random dude in the minor leagues that comes up and like throws like a, a good 110 innings to kind of offset, you know, every guy missing 40 Kyle or 50 Hurt. innings. Yeah. Kyle, like, Ryan, Michael Grove and, so, and Gavin stone just pitched in this game. Grove's pitching right yeah. now. Either of them I think could pop up. Don't, don't get off of stone so, last year. Just because of last year's uh, MLB flop, I, I still love Gavin Stone. What I will say, and I think the argument for Bobby Miller over both of these guys is, I think Bobby Miller has the safest floor. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, obviously anybody can get hurt, but I just think he's got such a really good body. Um, I think the the command and control are really good. I think the upside is there to be a top tier pitcher in fantasy. But the Dodgers games, which they have always played, mm-hmm. will just kind of drops him to two for me out of these three that that's that's okay i I, i'm not going to dispute too hard on that even though i've got miller higher because i've got i've got grayson right there and again i just really love this trio here and then you got yuri perez who actually i do have a little bit deeper in the rankings i think i'm going to change that uh because as i've been kind of going through the season off season a bit more i i find myself gravitating back toward him you know he's so young but like we've talked about before with miami they don't they don't dally, dilly dally around with that. If guys got if guys up and have the bullets, they're gonna go with it. Now they were a little cautious with him last year, but they still got ninety one innings out of a twenty one year old um, yeah. in the major leagues, plus another thirty seven in the minors. Yeah. So I think he can jump this year into the one fifty plus range, and the skills are just impeccable. Twenty nine percent K rate, sixteen percent swinging strike rate. Are you kidding me? That park gives him some co- some cushion in case he has a little bit of struggle. He had the one point five homer nine, but you barely felt it with a three fifteen ERA. What what did we see from Yuri Perez in an encore here? I think if you told me I needed to pick guy uh, pick this tier based on who has the best upside, I'm taking Yuri Perez. Um, okay. I think Yuri Perez's stuff is just unreal. Um, especially when he's on. But if you told me I had to rank them based on their downside, I think you got to put him last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I think that's the reason why I have them last in this tier is because uh, I am a little bit more concerned at this point in the draft about a guy's floor than I am about his ceiling. Um, so, because I think all these, I mean, you're not taking a, you're not taking a starting pitcher in the top 75 picks if you don't think he's a very good pitcher, like, right. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, I care more about what I think the, the potential floor is. That is like, while that like tall lanky body is really good for movement. It also just scares the crap out of you in terms of being able to hold up for 190 innings or 170. Uh, I think I'm, 
Yeah, exactly. So I think I'm probably going to project 140 innings, but 140 okay. really good innings. Uh, and I think Miami is better than people give it credit for. So, uh, yeah, I, I like I like Yuri Perez just fine. I've drafted him a number of times already. I've drafted all three of these guys. I'll continue to. Yeah, uh, just a great group here. I, I really don't think you can go wrong. I go Miller, uh, Grayson, Perez, with Perez a little bit further back. Like I said, there's a chance for him to move up in my next rankings update, which is going to be coming soon with a bunch of updates because of all the injuries and just uh, some extra profiles written. Let's talk workhorses here. Now, these are the five guys that you're going to want to pair maybe with one of the three we just talked about mm -hmm. or one of the guys from the risky aces that we were talking about earlier to try to get your innings. Again, nothing's guaranteed. Everyone is an injury risk because you're one pitch away. Uh, yeah. But Aaron Nola, 52. Logan Webb, 56. Framber Valdez, 58. So the market's got all three of them really close. Then Max Fried. I know it feels weird to include him here, but um, he had two full seasons prior to 2023. So I still think he's a guy you look at as a volume guy when he's healthy. And then Logan Gilbert at 63. So it's only an 11-pick range with these five here. The market sees these five guys as innings bastions and says, okay, this is where we can get some innings. I think Nola is, is down at 52 because of his ERA last year. He's done this before, but he always rebounds from it. Do you have any pause coming off of the four plus ERA last year? Or do you look at it like we saw in 2021 when he had a 463 and then bounced back with a 325? Um, do you think he bounces back again when you're looking at the ERA indicators and everything and, and believing that he can get back on track? Where do you stand with Aaron Nola? Yeah, he got him lucky in the strand rate, got him lucky in the home run to fly ball rate, I think a little bit. Uh I I think he's gonna be fine. Like I just think he uh he probably deserves to be going exactly where he's going, maybe even a little bit higher. I just think Aaron Nola has all the stuff you want from an ace. The stuff looked fine last year. He just got a little bit unlucky, I think, and that cost him. So uh yeah, I've drafted Aaron Nola, got no problem continuing to do it. Excluding 2020, it's six straight full seasons. So full season meaning 162 yeah. innings, which is what you need to qualify for the ERA title. So when you hear me say full season, that is the threshold. Six straight. The dude yeah. pitches, man. He is as workhorse as it gets, uh, you know, up there with his teammate. And then these next two here, Logan Webb and Framber Valdez, I, I love these two. And the volume yeah. is something that you know, again, as much as I will acknowledge that we can't guarantee anything, I want to try to attack volume. I've actually got both these guys in my top 10, Webb and Valdez. I really, really like no them problem with that. because you mentioned this, I forget who it was with, I think Kirby, that while the volume or uh, uh, while the strikeout rates might not be super high, the volume makes up for it. Because at the end of the yeah. day, unless you play in a K-9 league, you just care about the total Ks. Yep. And both these guys use the leverage their innings to make up for their lack of Ks. Now, Valdez, I, I feel like at least in the market with some pods I've been listening to, some stuff I've been reading, He's getting a little bit of hate relative to Valde to Webb, but when you look at the ADP, they're right next to each other. Do you agree that they're like a righty-lefty version of each other, or do you have some of that that heat that I've been that I've been seeing Valdez get due to the way he finished last year? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get it. Like Valdez, just like all he does is produce. Like I, I get he, he had a little bit of a rough finish, but like, wasn't he fine in the postseason? Like, I, and, and I'm. I'm Double checking that right now. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see because I don't remember. Uh, 12 but, yeah. innings of a nine ERA. So, okay. I mean, it was uh, uh, a bad start bad against. Outing. Yeah. Actually, no, no, they were both bad. Five against mm -hmm. Houston, I mean, against uh, Minnesota, and then uh, Texas roughed him up for a couple. So, he didn't have a great 
He didn't have a great postseason, but I'm not. I'm just not going to freak out over that. This dude is, is rock solid as it gets. Sign me up for another, you know, 180 plus innings, and that would be low relative to what he's done the last two years at 201 and 198. I love what he does. He's on a great team. Like I said, once one of Webb or Fromber goes, it's my indication to take the other. Yep, I agree. All right, so I love both the and then with Webb again, right-handed version of Valdez pitches in a great park. Um, you know wins you never really know because the giants aren't expected to be great but with his volume he should win a lot of the games that he pitches as long yeah. as he gets a little bit of offensive support so let's talk about the two that maybe aren't as obvious a fits in this workhorse category with max freed's uh being because of the fact that he missed a bunch of time last year but like i said two full seasons prior to that is max freed somebody that you look at and think oh i can get volume out of him or are you concerned based on the health from last year where he was limited to 78 innings you know, what's what's the song? One of these things is not like, it's not like the other. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, think Freed doesn't fit? Yeah, here? he doesn't fit. I mean, I just I don't trust the workload. Like I just like he 185 he, and 166 the two years before that. And then if you scratch out 2020, it's 166 in 2019. I think I know, but I don't want to scratch out last year. That's our most recent sample. No, 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 like, no. You know, <laughs> if you scratch out 2020, not not scratch out last year, that counts. But he was also amazing when he pitched. So Okay, maybe you you critique him a little bit for the workload aspect, the tier I put Freed in. But w- even if you get 130, so he isn't but that when you get 100. Fun. When you get 130, how many strikeouts you're getting? Because like I don't think he's a strikeout inning guy. Twenty six percent last year. Last year he was, but like he may have been just dialing it up a little bit, you know. Sure. When he came back, so I I just if if, if a guy has an injury concern, like I just. I, I just don't, I'm not messing. But how valid Dude. is the concern when he finished on the field and pitching well? It probably I'm, shouldn't be as big in my mind as it is. Okay. Cause yeah, I was going to say for me, it, like, it's not. It, and we always highlight when guys finish on the field, how comfortable that makes us. I'm just so. always going to take Logan Webb. I'm always going to take Framber Valdez. I'm, you know, always going to take Logan Gilbert just because I feel much more confident that they're going to get those 180, 190 innings. So here's the thing then. What if they're all gone? Because what's interesting is after... Then and I, I just Gilbert wait. Here. Okay, because I was going to say that the next group is um, almost a whole round o- away Yeah, uh, that we start with the strong twos with a concern. I mean, and, right, so- and I, I don't know why we did in the order that we did because all these guys are going above the, the guys we just talked about. Um, I, I don't know either. Whoever made this um, list is probably a fucking yeah. moron. <laughs> but I'm taking Grayson me. Rodriguez. I'm taking Bobby Miller. I'm taking. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know why. Oh, you yeah. know why I did it was because I almost put them in the risky aces, and I wanted to break them off into their own category. So I just put them right after the risky aces, and then yeah. I circled back to the workhorses. So I did have a reason behind it, but it does yeah. make it look there's a bigger gap between Gilbert and Eflin when actually that's exactly where Grayson Miller and Yuri fit. Plus so Sal Perez, or sorry, Sal Perez. Sal Perez. Plus uh, Blake, uh, Blake Snell. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why Sna- Sal Snell Perez fits there too. There. Very interesting name to mess up when yeah. you're meaning to say uh, Blake Snell. So Gilbert, sixty-three. Does he fit in here with the workhorses? I think he does. does I, I mean, I I put him there, so I think so. I'm asking yeah, if you I, agree I, with I that. I think he does. Um, and I I mean, I like Logan Gilbert. Quite a bit. How? He was a guy I liked more last year over George Kirby when they were going. Me to too. Same spot. Um, I understand that George Kirby had a little bit better year, but like the everybody talks about the strikeout upside with 
George Kirby. I think Logan Gilbert's got some strikeout upside that maybe we don't give him credit for. And I just love the fantastic control. And I think mean, did Kirby have a, last year. a 30 pick better, a two round in 15 teamer better season. And again, I'm not hating on Kirby, but I feel like why not just take Gilbert? Yeah. I mean, 190 innings last year. Like, yeah, I love it. Uh, so I'm, I, yeah, I love kind of the discount version of george kirby you get from logan gilbert and exactly and again i love kirby we just talked him up i'm not hating i would take both would you take two of the three mariners because you love i would take all three so would i there there is a world i I have i would i mean i don't think there's a world in which it's going to happen because i think both are going to move up so far we would have to get castillo you'd have to have like on like the wheel yeah, but I think both of them are going to be inside the second round by the time we get to draft. True. Like, They'd have to end. follow you at the 2-3 turn, and you picked one. So if you went yeah, Acuna, so you went Acuna Castillo, Kirby. Castillo, Kirby. I would do that. That'd be amazing, yeah. I, I would, would absolutely do that. Do that. But yeah, I love I love Gilbert. He is really just um, generic brand Kirby, and I don't say that to degrade him. It's just because he's two rounds cheaper and does everything else that Kirby does. All right, yeah. so let's get to these strong number twos with a concern. They've each got a glaring concern that kind of keeps them from being in one of these other tiers ahead of them. Zach Eflin at 81, just lack of a track record, right? Last year was the yep. first year that we really saw it. Joe Ryan's got the homers, pick 86. Joe Musgrove, he has last year injury but we did just see him open spring training it wasn't a great outing but who really gives a shit he pitched he's healthy right now but that's probably the, the concern that people carry with him and why he's down at 97 justin Steele, 102 lack of a track record just like eflin and then uh, dylan cease at 107 his sharp drop in 2023 uh is why he has the concern but the strikeouts are still massive and there's still a lot to like with him these strong number twos with a concern do you have a favorite of the five it's probably Eflin, um, but I think uh, I think Justin Steele is uh, uh, kind of in that conversation as well, just because he is so much cheaper. Um, so, well, but those are, those are the two guys that I've been targeting as my like SP two or SP three in a lot of leagues. Is Eflin then, in your estimation, if you if you're buying in on him, doesn't he feel like a little bit of a bargain at eighty one? He um, does. Can't he? Just but I also know that there is like. And I don't think it gets talked about enough. Like Eflin struggled with injuries his entire career before getting to Tampa. True. And that was kind of what held him back in Philly. I understand that. Um, But again, if if we then circle back to everyone's an injury risk type of deal or whatever, and you're getting him at 81, it's kind of built into that that conversation there. Mm -hmm. I I like him to basically repeat. I don't think he did anything last year that Eflin can't do again this year. I love him at this price point. It seems like you co-signed I do too. Yeah, right, absolutely. So we're like, in on that. I, I think I said at first pitch Arizona that Zach Eflin's a top 15 starter. Bang. And I don't I can, think I any, totally I don't think anything that. has changed for me. Yeah, I have no issue with that take whatsoever. Let's see where I ranked him to see how much I'm putting my money where my mouth is. So I'm a little shy of that at 20. Uh, but part of that is just that there's so many guys. It's like... It's difference weird between, to say. Difference between 12 and 20, I don't think it's as big as Exactly. Big as because that. this year it's so deep that I can have like six guys that I could realistically say are top 15 that aren't even in the top 15 because you got to rank them somewhere. Yep. Because you could have 25 guys that, you know, could fit that top 20 type of threshold, top 15, whatever it is. Uh, Joe Ryan was on my bust list and it's a bummer because I love Joe Ryan. And yeah, you've I'll, been a Joe Ryan dude. 
I was an early adopter for sure. I had a bet with Alex Fast about his ERA for charity that I won, which was nice. But the home runs scare me, Justin. They've yeah. always been there. Did you there. hear that? No, what was it? It was Joe Ryan giving up another home run. <laughs> I thought it was like weather or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been getting some bad rain. I was like, was it thunder? I, yeah, I that- did do a podcast Monday night where my power went out halfway through. Jeez, like, I know you guys have been getting over. hammered. People like, we were 40 minutes into the podcast. My power. How's the moat? Uh, there is still a moat, but it is no longer raining. We're past the rain. Oh, are you one of the millions of people without cell service today? No, I have cell service and I have AT&T. So apparently, apparently did so not. You're upset, one of that group. Uh, Jen, as far as I know, still doesn't have her cell back, but yeah, very, very no. weird stuff there. Um, okay. So let's talk Joe Ryan though. The home runs are a problem. They always have been. They really crept up last year though at 1.8. And the problem is, as I think this is always lurking. And if this, this high fastball, this kind, and I don't want to say gimmick because it makes it sound like, you know, he, he's doing something cheap or whatever. But if his kind of, you know, style doesn't work, which is to get, great extension on that fastball at the top of the zone. If that stops working and these home runs, you know, let's say he, let's even give him a, a drop down, down to 1.5. That's still pretty high, Justin. That's his career mark now with last year's 1.8. And for me, I'm just going to take Bailey over. And, and yeah. you want to talk about the Logan Gilbert, George Kirby thing. Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober is the same thing, except I don't want the name brand. I'll take the name brand Mariner and the generic, but I don't want the name brand twin right now when Joe Ryan's coming in at pick 86 and Bailey Ober's coming in much cheaper. It is entirely the home runs, but that is the quickest way to tank your ERA. I've been saying it for years. I will continue to say it. I love the 29% K rate. I love the 5% walk rate. Pitched 162 innings last year but the home runs yielded a 451 ERA and I have a hard time projecting him under four. So even if I slice that half run off, I'm still at a four ERA with a great whip and I'm not taking Joe Ryan. It's so crazy. Cause it, I mean, it's really against righties. <laughs> That's a problem. Like, mm-hmm. um, but it, he, he was worse in the second half. The second, it, his, yeah. his second half 2.63, homers per nine yeah it got horrendous um, and it won't be that bad but again even if you shave it down to one four one five that's still really high yeah i'm just i just don't want to mess with There's too many other guys around this area that are i feel safer and i would like like i'm not even guys in this tier like like i'm talking about like uh tanner bybee you know mm-hmm. 107 20 picks later cole reagan's like I, I think i'd rather have those guys like yeah those are super sophomores we're going to talk about next um and then like i said Bailey Ober does all the same stuff on the same team and he's markedly yeah. cheaper. Why wouldn't me, he just take I mean, over? Yeah, give me Sonny Gray. Um you know. What about like um like Chris Bassett? I feel like I'd yeah. rather take Jordan him Montgomery. at 137. Jormont doesn't even have a team. I'd rather take him. Like, yeah. Like, I just, I can't get on Joe Ryan as a top 100 pick. And I hate jumping off a guy that I love, but you got to do it sometimes. You can't just stay yeah. committed to somebody because you loved him in the past. Uh, when the price point changes, you got to move with it. Because you say like, well, even just regress it back. Like, you know, but like, what if it doesn't regress back? Exactly. What if what if you would just eat 160 innings at a 450 year at? Like that's <laughs> I, don't, I don't love that. And <laughs> I like I said, like shave it down to 1.4. Take take 0. Yeah. 0.4 home runs off. Do you know where that would rank, Justin? That'd be the 10th worst home run rate last year. Yeah. So like it's even still X, really even if you look dangerous. at like even if you look at his XFIP, which normalizes home runs, 
Mm-hmm. So it's part of what XFIP does. He's still at a 376 ERA. So it's not like he's an elite guy with a like league average home run rate. Yeah, exactly. So, and so no. that like I love the whip, and we've talked about this concept in past years. Be careful underrating a guy that has a elevated ERA with a great whip. They usually come a lot cheaper though. They're not usually yeah. top 100 picks. That's usually the benefit of them. This was sure. early career. Joe Musgrove was like this. Jamison Tyon at his best was like this. But they weren't top 100 picks. And so that's the issue for me with Joe Ryan. I'd love to be wrong just because I want to see him do well. But there's just way too many guys I prefer, yeah. including the rest of this group and then our next group. Joe Musgrove, um, where are you at on his concern? Like I said, just started the spring game. If he's looking good to go throughout spring, are you in on him at pick 97? I haven't been because I wanted to see him throw in spring. Um, I only got drafted him at all, and I haven't really considered him. Uh, I I don't know that I will jump on board. Um, even, even with a healthy with, spring? I don't know. Maybe you're going to have to ask me again as we get closer to like, okay. in the, like mid-March. Like, But it's a moment. Like, I just – I don't know that I want to take him over Steele or Reagans or Bybee. I just don't. I think he just kind of drops down my board too far. Yeah, he he's another guy that I've loved. And again, he, price point. He might do the last few years. Yeah. Yep. I so I, I join you there where I'm just not really winding up with Musgrove anywhere. And I let him kind of sit on my board uh, where normally I would have been like, oh, my God, I can get Joe Musgrove here. Jump on it but I just haven't been doing that and I don't see myself doing it very much either. So I will re-ask it down the line and we'll see if either of us have changed on it. But right now we're kind of bypassing him. And you mentioned for Justin Steele. So you're bought in on, on what he did last year. He had an excellent breakout season, you know, basically a two pitch guy, right? Fastball slider, yeah. but he made it work and work very well. Slice the walk rate in half down to 5% with a 25% K rate home run rate under one at 0.73. Very nice. 0.6 one the the year before that uh 306 era 117 whip you got him basically doing a carbon copy there where you at, uh where you at on steel's numbers yeah i do have them kind of just being carbon copy um and you know 170 175 maybe 180 something like that of kind of what he's done the two pitch thing does bother me a little bit because mm-hmm. there are other guys that i have been fans of that are two pitch guys that have then just blown up right in my face and this is a high price and so i've been a little bit more tepid on drafting him kind of where he's going especially because i, I do love tanner bybee so much um i've just been kind of pivoting that way but there are drafts for justin Steele falls and if i can get him as my number three i'm feeling pretty darn good about that because i don't have to quite rely on quite as much as i would if he was my number two yeah, I think that's a big part of it with these guys and even somebody like a Musgrove, if I get back in and I am making him a number three, it's going to be a lot easier to rely on him and take on that yeah. risk when you don't have to put so much on their volume. Uh, Dylan Cease, we're still expecting a trade at some point, maybe even as spring goes on here, you know, some big injury somewhere um, and a team says, OK, n- now's the time we pull the trigger. I don't know. Might be in season. He had the sharp drop off last year. The easy thing to do is to just take uh 22 and 23 and split them and say that's who he is i understand that's a bit lazy but that's kind of how i feel about him at least as far as a projection goes and i know that a repeat of 23s in the cards but also a return to 22 could happen and for those that are wondering the uh, split of that would be 337 era 126 whip with uh 220 strikeouts in 180 innings that that is taking the two years and just averaging them so 
does that put you in or out on it? First off, do you agree with taking the, the middle? And then also, are you in or out? I mean, I think you have to take the middle because I think you just have to account for both, um, right? And so, like, when you're doing a projection, you're doing a median outcome. Um, and I think that that makes a lot of sense to just be like, okay, I think 370 is probably right in the middle of where his true outcomes are. Um, I think the shallower the league, the more likely I am to pull the trigger because there yeah. is replacement on the wave wire if he is just atrocious again. Uh, and you know you're going to get strikeouts. I mean, he's gotten over 200 strikeouts, over 210 strikeouts in each of the last three seasons. I just – I don't play in a lot of shallower leagues, so I'm not personally probably going to have Dylan Cease on any teams this year, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, and honestly, you could even throw in 2021, which was uh, 166 yeah. innings of a 391, 125. If you want to get a firmer average, what's that? The Marcel the Monkey um, yeah. uh, projection system of just taking a three-year average. That's three fifty-four, one twenty-six would be the the average of those. And so again, twenty twenty-three is in the cards again. So you need to be able to absorb that. And that's why Justin's saying that if you're in a shower league, it's a lot easier to absorb that. I think I'm still open to him in a 15-teamer because he's usually available to make your fourth, fifth starter depending on when when you're drafting. Uh, or, or how, how you're drafting starters. If he's got to be my number two or three, that's where I get a little trepidation. Yeah. But if I'm going pitcher heavy and I can make Cease my four, I'm open to it. Or if and you're in if a get, 10 or 12 team league, like, and you yeah. Know, if he gets would... traded, we assume it'll be to a contender. I, I know you can't fully answer it without knowing who it is, but would that change your interest at all? I mean, unless he got traded to Cincinnati, like, pretty much anywhere he goes is going to be a Better, better situation right? yeah and like, win win probability and so win that, pro that win probability it? goes up um i don't know honestly okay. I, I really need to know where he goes uh like if he got traded to baltimore yeah that would change it like all of a sudden like, i know like, they already got burns but with the bradish injury why not just go right back to the well yeah i mean they were talking about lazardo so why wouldn't exactly they talk about cease um so uh yeah i mean if if he went there but like if he, I'm trying to think of another spot he could like. What if he went to the Yankees? In, and what if they didn't get snow? What if he went to the Yankees? I don't want. I don't want him in, in New York. Okay. Not with that short porch. Um, what if he you went, went to San Francisco? Well, well I mean, any pitcher like, goes to San Francisco. I'm pretty. Yeah, I, I'd be, like I I'd be, be so interested in him. But okay, but then you're now he's gonna be like pick eighty, I think, at that point for Cease. Would you then pay the the premium if he went to San Francisco? No, I definitely wouldn't pay the premium. Okay, okay. Because that, so, that means missing out on the Bobby Millers. Exactly. I no, I'm not playing. I'm not paying any premium on Dylan C's. Honestly, the only way Dylan C's ends up on my teams is if he drops in a draft. He literally just went in my Tout Wars draft here at five fifteen. That's pick seventy five. Yeah, too high for me. That are any of uh, are any of Bobby Miller, Grayson Rodriguez? So no. In while we've been potting, it went Miller. Uh, Bregman as a hitter, but then Eflin Perez, O'Neill Cruz as another hitter. Now Dylan Cease, and I'm waiting for Dan Stratford's second pick. I took Yuri Perez, by the way, and I made him my number three behind Cole and Webb. And Ooh. I have Devin Williams. I've been going pitching heavy here. That is a hot start, though. I only have Semyon at hitting. I'm obviously about to take like five straight hitters, but my pitching is 
disgusting. You cannot, it's not safe for work. All right, we've only got about 10 minutes left, so let's get these two super sophomores here, and then we'll do the Kodai Senga news. Uh, Tanner Bybee, 107, same at ADP as Cease, and Cole Reagan's 109. We've talked a lot about them. Uh, they are very popular super sophomores. I almost put them with the Rodriguez, Miller, and Perez, but those three are on a different plane with everyone, not just in their ADP, but just the excitement around them. Um, so these guys are kind of your, your bargain your bargain basement, you know, of, of a great potential ace here. I think Bybee is a little bit underrated. I know 107 is still a pretty good ADP, but he's not getting as much chatter as Reagan's between the two. It's definitely more Reagan's than Bybee. Yeah. We love Cleveland's pitching development, right? We saw the three guys come up last year and all contribute. William, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen, and Bybee all to different degrees, mind you. Um, Will uh Allen was a little bit the worst of the three, but you know, still pretty good. And then Williams was nice and Bybee was awesome. What does Bybee do for an encore? 298 ERA, 118 whip last year. Does he get better? Uh, not necessarily better ERA, but does he add more volume to the 142? What what are you seeing in the second year from Bybee? Bybee is George Kirby. Oh, so so that's another Kirkland brand George Kirby yeah. here with yeah, Gilbert yeah. and Bybee. Diet, so then, diet George Kirby, because I don't think you want to project 190 innings. So then why are you taking but, Kirby if you got two guys now that you really... I'm probably not taking both of them together, but more often than okay. not, I'm ending up with someone other than Kirby, and then I'm taking... So Bybee. then if you miss Bybee, on Kirby... Bybee will almost undoubtedly turn into my most drafted pitcher inside of the top 300 or inside of the top okay. 200. Like, I mean, I just... I'm going to have so much by me this year. Um, I've I already got him. Well, I've only got him in three leagues. Um, oh, but he three. will be. Some people haven't even drafted one league yet. I only got yeah. him in three leagues. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm in, I'm in eight so far. So true. Um, but yeah, Bobby will. Bobby's my dude this year. I just love what he does. You know, does not give up hard contact. He doesn't give up runs. He doesn't give up walks. He just does everything right. He threw 142 innings in his rookie season plus 15 in the minor leagues so like that what that's 157 like 170 innings of uh mid to low threes era with a you know a whip around you know 115 117 something like that yeah sign me up i'm here okay so you're okay with the hip and everything yeah i'm fine with okay it. Because you know you you were pretty cautious on Freed and the hip ended his ended by B season early, so I'm just making sure that you're still yeah. But it was the last week him. of the season. I'm not like, yeah. It's it not the biggest in, issue. It's not a gotcha, like, by the way. I'm not trying to like expose yeah, no, I, you on that. No, I think this is like one of those things where it's all like you know they were just looking for a reason to shut him down. Like I don't think it was that's like, true. Hey, they were out of the playoffs. They were like you know like I they needed I, the spot for McKenzie. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not worried about that. I mean, okay. if he comes in and there's a problem with it, then yeah, then all of a sudden I'm doing a one eight. But yeah, but we haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything in the no. offseason other than he's just having a normal offseason. Yeah, no negativity there with Bybee. Reagan's has been like the the hot fantasy player of the of the offseason. You know, our but buddy he Nick hasn't Pollock. gone up in price. Like I know, like, which I, I love. I do worry that he Scooble will as Scooble went, went crazy. And, and Reagan sits here at 109. Reagan has like two bad starts at the end of the season, and everybody's like, nah, that's old. You know news. what's sticking in their head is the 
um, Toronto thing when he, when he fell off the mound and Uh like had those three wild pitches in a row or whatever. I couldn't care less about that. If I tried, like, I I seriously have zero concerns about that. Pick one Oh nine. We're clearly in, uh, like I said, our boy, Nick Pollock's been pumping him up, had him on PitchCon, which was awesome. Seems like a good dude. I love the way he kind of thinks about the game too. I'm fully in on this. Um, do you have any real reservations about Reagan's other than normal pitching reservations? I mean, I think there's a little added injury risk, um, you know, just because he has had so many injuries kind of in the minors and stuff. Said and, two, two T- well, it's kind of a TJ and a half because the other, I think, was that yeah. internal brace thing, which is a bit different. So maybe it shouldn't be counted as a full he, TJ. But either way, two big surgeries. And he only threw like 100 innings between the minors and the majors last year. So I Correct. think like all the projections on the innings, I think are a little bit, uh, uh, lofty. Like, I don't think I would project him for 160, like the bat and ATC and really depth well, charts is, but he's 26. What, what do we, what are we babying him for? I don't know that it's babying him, but it's just, you know, guy with his injury track record coming off of only a hundred innings. Like, I think that it's just, it's all, that's a lot, to to you know kind of say he could he absolutely could but i think i'm going to project closer to like i don't know 150 145 something like that um be a little more prudent with it yeah but i think the upside is to the roof and i think we saw bits and pieces of it last year you know i mean dude throws a hundred well does he throw a hundred or felt like he threw 97 on average yeah okay 90 yeah 90 from the left hand side in a fantastic park on a team mm-hmm. that I had said is a dark horse to win the uh, AL Central. Sneaky like, club. I'm honestly shocked. Honestly shocked that his ADP isn't higher than this. Like, I think this is a great price. I'm glad it's not. But yes, I am too. This is a guy. Like, I don't want to pair Bybee with Kirby because you got two guys with kind of lower strikeout rates. This is a guy to pair with. Or pair with uh, yes. To Kirby. This is where you can get your Dylan Cease-esque strikeouts. Yeah. Um, at that same price point with maybe a bit less risk in the uh, in the whip there. Jake Cronenworth just hit a homer. I don't, did, he, did he do that? I didn't think he year? was allowed. To <laughs> <do> that, <yeah. laughs> we both went for the same joke there. Yeah, I love <laughs> Reagan's price probably will rise in the spring. Like you said, pitchers are going to go up. He'll be one that goes up. But I don't think he gets the helium boost that like a Scooble did. So even if he's getting picked yep. around 80, I'm still okay with Reagan's there. All right, let's finish off with the uh, Kodai Sangha news. Like I mentioned, uh, he's going to start the season on the IL. I put Bradish here as well just because it was the last of the top 30 and I wanted to kind of get them all in. We've already said we've taken Bradish off our board. Until further notice, until we get yeah, some I'm, reason. I'm, I'm taking Sangha off mine as well. Like I just, Okay, so he's going to start on the IL with a with a shoulder here. I can get the specifics on it, but you're fully out. Yeah, capsule strain. I that's right, that's what right. It was. Um, Moderate yeah, shoulder I, strain. Moderate's not yeah. great either, by the way. That sounds like no. it's downplaying it. But and and a strain's a, a tear, y'all. It's just a different name yeah. for a tear. So it's a moderate shoulder rip. And he's gonna start the season on the IL um off our boards. Yeah. And any is it is like unlimited IL get you in at all? No. Nope. If the price drops. I mean the price will drop, but I don't well, think yeah. it'll drop. When the price drops. Me. Okay. Like if I can okay. get for a dollar in an auction, now uh, it won't be that with- cheap. Like, but yeah, it's not going to be that cheap. So yeah. like, no. Okay. Like, yeah. Especially, there's, there's especially with how say. many teams. Yeah. Especially how many teams in auctions go like stars and scrubs. Mm-hmm. And like, you can always get like a sunny gray for like seven bucks or someone yeah. like that. Like I would much rather spend seven bucks there than on a Kodai Zynga. It's just too scary. Yeah. It's, it, plain and simple. It is just too Don't scary. Don't invite it onto your team. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. And I was excited about Senga because he had such a yeah. fun season last year, struggled a little bit out of the gate, found his footing, ended up with a brilliant season. The Ghost Fork is just a kick-ass name for a pitch. But even if We've also seen this with ball. a lot of Japanese pitchers where they come over, they have a good first season, and then they struggle with a little bit of injury because they're not used to kind of the workload change, right? Yep, so, the every fifth day um, volume. You know, just something to kind of think about and remember. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, maybe that'd be something to definitely be mindful of for next year with Yamamoto, even if he does come over and kind of hit the ground running and doesn't show too many issues, maybe then the after effects would be in the 2025 season there. So, Absolutely. Okay. We got through 30 plus, I think it's 31 pitchers actually at that list I sent you where I could not figure out the two that I was missing. I just needed that second, second look at it. I sent Justin this list. I was like, there's 29 on my list and 31 on this graphic. Who am I missing? And then before he could even answer, I found them. But mm -hmm. in a weird way, you helped me. J just You're welcome. Posting That's it, what yeah. I'm here for. Yeah. Just, just posting my it presence to you. helps. Yes, helped yeah. me find them. So, all right, we will continue on tomorrow with a bunch more pitchers uh, in the morning there. Probably do a little bit fewer than 31 because we have a harder out on Friday morning, so maybe closer to 20. But um, all next week, more pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. So if you like starting pitcher talk, you're going to enjoy this pod for the next few uh, few episodes. And then nothing this Sunday, right? We talked about that with you guys on Monday. Yeah, we got Potapalooza all That's weekend right. long from uh, When's 10 a.m. start on Saturday? East, 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we'll finish about 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, tons of panels. Paul's going to be on two starting pitcher panels. Jason, I think, is going to be on day. two panels. Uh, I will post the episodes that Paul and Jason are on on this feed. So that way, if you want to just listen to the audio, but uh, you can catch it on um, YouTube and Twitch, Justin Mason FWFB, or just on the Fangraphs main page. I'm just going to post it there. So if people want to just go to Fangraphs and watch it there. So that's uh, perfect, yeah. man. I'm going to raise money wait. for charity. Let's do it. It's a great event. PitchCon and, and Potapalooza are two major mile markers in the off season to say baseball is coming and baseball is yep. here and we got games on our ipad right now watching this uh, dodgers padres game i don't even give a shit about what's happening it's just on it's baseball so i will talk to you tomorrow morning have a good one justin take it easy